Uh, guys, thank you so much for welcoming us. We are very glad to be here. I'm going to try to talk slow because sometimes when I get excited, I go too fast. <laughs> so I want you to understand. But, you know, I'm just excited to be with you. We have come. Uh, this is my wife, Nikki. And we've come from Northern Ireland, but to give you some context, in the UK, uh, and where we are, Northern Ireland's here, and then Ireland's there, and we're kind of in the middle, right on the border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. Uh, and as Greg said, there's been a lot of trouble in Northern Ireland over the years, uh, as I'm sure there has been here. But uh, our biggest problem is we have two sides, uh, and they, they can't get on. Uh, what, what do you do about that? But in the middle of it, we've got Jesus, and we've seen the Lord move in incredible ways. And I want to tell you just a couple of quick stories of miracles. I really feel like the Lord just wants to encourage us this morning about miracles. Is that okay? Yeah. And we have a phrase, so our church is called Vibe. And it stands for vision, integrity, boldness, and evangelism. And as Greg said, it was meant to be a youth group. <laughs> That's all. And then the Lord tricked us. <laughs> no, in a good way. He, he led us into more and more and more. And I want to tell you today, when you get a vision on your heart, God takes it further and further and further. And you start off at one place, and before you know it, you're in South Africa getting the honor and privilege to speak to this wonderful church. I could never, ever have thought this in my wildest dreams. So I just say thank you so much, and it is a privilege to be here. But when we started out, we were just a young adults group. But before we got there, back in 1983, that's the year I was born. Uh, so I'm turning 39 in just a few weeks' time. I know I look young, but I'm getting older. Uh, and in 1983, in November time, in Northern Ireland, things had got really, really tough. There was one side that was called the IRA, and they were out to just vie vengeance on everyone that they could. And on the other side, there was equal and opposite groups, and they were trying to do the same. And it was all about destruct destruction and evil. And so my grandfather was, uh, was a Christian, uh, and when he was about 45, he was just going about his business. He was a simple farmer. He, he just tried to farm every day, look after his family. You know, in Ireland, we've got big families, uh, so he had a big family. Uh, he was trying to feed his family, look after his family. And then in around his mid-40s, he encountered the Holy Spirit, the person that we're talking about today, and his life was never the same. He went from a quiet farmer to a guy who just wanted to pray and heal everything, just everything. Uh, we used to have all these farmers that lived locally, and he would stop them on the way to the vet. Do you have the thing called the vet? Is that the same thing here? And so the cow was sick, or the sheep was sick, or something was sick, and he would say, I tell you what, come by my place, I'll pray for your animal as long as you allow me to pray for you. And many times, the animal would get better and the person would get saved. He was just contagious with the gospel. You just couldn't go anywhere with them. You would go to the shops, and we were meant to go for five or ten minutes just to get a few food items. Three hours later, he was sharing the good news of Jesus and trying to get everybody saved in the whole place. So he was a wild, crazy guy. But in 1983 in November, something really terrible took place where the IRA came and they shot the whole church. They basically came outside the church and machine gunned the whole thing. Now, thank the Lord, only two, three people died. It should have been far, far more. But I was right there as a baby, six months old. And then a lady bends over to protect me and took a bullet in the side. 
So I tell you what, it's a miracle to even be here. So I would be expected because God wants to do something great. He wants to do something great. Uh, and out of that, there was a couple of different churches that got planted because some people just couldn't face going back to that area. But one of the greatest legacies that my grandfather ever left me was that a week later, all the world's media had come. And honestly, all my grandfather had ever seen before this was sheep, fields, a few cows, and a few people. And now he's got media from all over the world with cameras and TV crews, and they all wanted to know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said two things. Not only would I forgive the people that did it, but I would welcome them to church next Sunday. Wow. 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 And we're still trying to heal our wounds in Northern Ireland. We're still trying to, to get together and have peace and to have unity. But I tell you what, that had to speak something into where we've got to today. Now, I hope you can come to Ireland, Northern Ireland at some point, because it is a beautiful place. We got lots of rain, so that's why I feel a bit at home today, because, you know, we're used to rain. It rained all night. We're very much used to that. Uh, but that was the legacy we started with. And then fast forward to 2006 is when Nikki and I were praying, and we felt the Lord saying, we need to do a young adults youth group. Uh, and we started off with six, seven people. It was just six, seven people in our church, about 60 adults. And literally, we started to make week after week after week, and this thing started to explode. And by the end of it, we had 150, 200 adults. For Northern Ireland, that is huge. We've got a country less than 2 million. Uh, we've got churches in every corner. I feel at home here as well. There's churches everywhere. I'm like, back home, if you don't like the tea, you go across the road and get a better tea. You know, if someone doesn't ask you to do something, you go across the street and get to another church. It's, it's crazy. We've got too many. And yet the Lord was saying, I want you to do something fresh. I want you to bring something, and I want you to reach young adults. And so today we have a wonderful church of young adults. There's people of all ages, of course, but that's who God has called us uniquely to reach. And we're seeing people come alive in the Spirit, come alive in the things of God. And when we started in 2006, honestly, we had a handful of people, and then bit by bit, God just kept adding and adding and adding until we got to 2013. And then I think in the space of three months, we saw 30 people saved. To us, it felt like revival, like just revival. And youth were coming from all over the country, just driving their cars. For us, you have to have a car. The public transport's terrible. You know, either someone needs to pick you up or you need to get a car. And people were driving just to come and getting saved. And then I remember a few of the mums saying, yeah, I think you're getting a bit too carried away now. You know, like just they're getting too serious for God. I was like, is that not a good thing? You know? And so we would pray for people to get filled with the Spirit, and they did, and it was incredible. And in the midst of that, God kept pointing us to John 10:10. 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life to the full. And that's what the Lord wants to remind us that we have access to today. And if you're a believer in Christ and have put your faith in Jesus, then that's what we're living in. But sometimes our heads forget it, don't they? We forget that this is what we have. We forget that miracles are available to us. We forget that we can pray. We, can, we forget that we can believe with faith as small as a mustard seed and mountains would move. So fast forward to 2013, as I mentioned, and so many guys are getting saved and they're saying, hey, we want to come to a Vibe Church. We're like, what? This is Vibe Youth, not Vibe Church. And again, in our context, no one plans churches because why would you? There's churches everywhere. 
the last church that was planted in our town before our one was about 500 years ago. <laughs> we just, it's, it's old. Uh, like in our town in, in Northern Ireland, it's called Armagh, and it's the home of St. Patrick, the St. Patrick. And so he was the archbishop in 444. This is 2022. That's a long time ago. So the idea of planting the church, people would have just said, oh, it's division. You don't like what you're doing. You think you can do it better. And honestly, our heart was not that at all. And so by 2013, 14, we knew that God was calling us to do this thing. And then we began to pray. And you guys know all about it. You've got a beautiful building. We love this. But in 2014, we felt like the Lord saying, there's a building for you. You're, you're going to find a building. And our town is small. It is a city, but it's only a city because of the cathedral. It's only got 15,000 people. So it's small. It's compact. It's beautiful, but it's small. Uh, but we're believing for the whole city to get saved. We're trying to get every person. So I'd love you to pray for that. We want all 15,000 to fill all the churches and see people see it. But we started to spot this building. And it was an extraordinary story. This building at one point was half a million pounds. I guess that's a lot around. That's millions around. That's a lot around. And we, we had heard all these stories growing up of people that got buildings for free, that bought them for really cheap. And we said, we're daring to dream now. We're daring to believe and dream. We're young. You know, we're just believing for all things. Uh, and eventually this building, it started to drop in price. Recession had hit through the years and different things had happened. And now it's on the market for 125,000 pounds, which is still a lot of money. But we're young and naive and we're thinking we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, you know? We've got to remind ourselves of this at times. And so eventually we said, you know what? We'll probably not get it for free, but we'll get it for 30,000 pounds. So we bid 30,000. They said, no way. It's far too cheap. You can't have it for that. It was 4,500 square feet building, which is a good size space. And they said, 30,000 is too cheap. Well, eventually we bid 45,000. They came back to us and said, you know what? We'll give it to you if you give us 50. We prayed about it. We went back to them and said, look, 50s is nothing to you guys, but it's a lot of money to us. We'll give you 45, that's it. They said, okay, we'll do the deal. And so, but here was the problem. We had just bought a building, but we had no money. And so the 26th of December, 2013, which is Boxing Day, I, I sent out a message to all the young adults that were in the youth at this time. And I said, guys, good news. We've bought a building. The bad news is we've got no money. So if you have any money left from Christmas, will you send it over? We were just, we were just having fun. But honestly, we're believing for all things. And what happened next was extraordinary. We had one girl in the youth who kept sending every day for seven days a thousand pounds. One thousand, two thousand, right up to seven thousand. The next week I meet her and I go, hey, uh, did you know that you sent us a thousand pounds every single, I thought it was going to be a mistake, but I thought I better check it just in case. And she said, you know what? I got excited. And every day I just kept sending another thousand and another thousand and another thousand. I said, where did you get this money from? She says, it's all the life savings and deposits that my family have ever given me. And I cleared the whole thing out. I was like, oh my gosh, do not tell your family. But we just went on this incredible journey of faith. When we asked, the solicitors how long have we got to pay the money they said eight weeks we said we better pray hard so eight weeks we went on this journey after two three weeks we had eleven thousand pounds honestly we thought we had we had done it we had achieved it this was incredible we've never seen money like this in our lives before and then we had a prayer time and we went from one night to the next night twenty-five thousand pounds just in one night we looked up the bank account and honestly some people were named but some of them were just unnamed. 
I was like, Lord, what is going on? Is this heaven? Is this people? What is this? We prayed the week later, and we went from 25,000 to 39,000 overnight again. And at the very end, we were, we, after the eight weeks, we got all the money. And I was like, wow. Absolutely incredible. And all it started with was an idea in our hearts in 2006 that maybe God wanted us to do a youth group. And maybe there were six or seven people in our church that didn't know each other that maybe would want to know each other and learn about the things of God. And it started off with something so small. And now we're in the property business. And, and we haven't even got a church yet. We haven't even got a church. We had just left the youth group. We had told everyone before we left, look, don't come unless God puts this on your heart because we've no clue what we're doing. We've not been to Bible college. We're like, Lord, are you sure you've picked the right people? And so over that next year, we prayed in our homes every single week together. We, we grabbed about 20 people that were hungry for the things of God and really felt this was on their hearts. We worked on the building every single night, night and day. We learned how to hammer. We learned how to cut things. We learned how to do all sorts of things. We made lots of mistakes. But by the end of that next year, we had everything ready and we're moving into our new building. It was incredible. Now guys, here's what I want to encourage you with. You're going to face opposition in every single thing that you go to do in the kingdom of God. It's so normal. For that next year, you've got to remember, Armagh is the church capital of Ireland. It's still seen as that today. It might be a bit of a dead thing, but it's still seen as that. So there's a lot of high church mentality, a lot of religiosity, a lot of people with a lot of negative mindsets, especially from the Christians. It's hard to believe sometimes. So that whole year, all they called us was a cult. You're a cult, you're a cult, you're a cult. And we're like, really, Lord, we're not trying to be a cult. We just want to love you, Jesus, and we want to see our city saved. But the goodness of God was, as we worked in our building for the next year, before we even really begun, began to become a church, by the time we got there a year later, most people had forgotten about us. They'd given up. They just said, ah, whatever. We just forget those guys. And we get there in the start of 2014, 15, and we just start to believe and pray, and God has done incredible things since. And I want to encourage you that, yes, there's opposition, but he's greater inside of you. He is greater inside of you. And there was this phrase that God birthed for us, and I want to talk about it today for a few moments, and it was called, nothing is impossible. Do you know that one? Where Jesus just speaks, he just says, there's nothing impossible. If we would believe nothing is impossible. And maybe for some of us today, we have believed that, but we've got discouraged. Because the greatest ploy of the enemy is discouragement. From your friend, from the bills you receive, from the emails, from the phone calls, from your own family, from Christians themselves. It's crazy. We get discouraged. And when you get discouraged, the last thing you're thinking about is miracles, signs, and wonders. The last thing you're thinking about is nothing is impossible. We went on a journey two years after. In 2015, we opened a church. Two years later, God called us to buy more property. This one was even bigger, 175,000 pounds. I said, Lord, not again. You know, we can't cope with this. But I, we started to believe again, and incredibly, three months later, we had that space, 175,000. We're now in the process of it's basically just some land in the middle of our city, but it's right in the heart of our city. And when we work with in the community, we love to work in the community. We've got Protestants on one side, we've got Catholics on the other. We're trying to find them in the middle and find Jesus, and we're seeing that. But now we're on this journey of what we call Project Possible, where we believe we're gonna see this build 
and fully restored. And it's going to be like the walls in Nehemiah. Do you remember that story? 52 days they reestablished the walls. A miraculous thing. If you get a chance, go read the story. But what it did was it restored the whole city. Because a city in the Old Testament without walls was defenseless. It was open. It was vulnerable. And any enemy could have come and did what it wanted. And so the Lord sent, uh, sent the guys over, sent Nehemiah over, and he rebuilt the walls in 52 days. And for us, we believe, as we rebuild this building in the middle of our city, we'll restore the city and restore the nation. Amen? Yeah. And guys, God has called you to be that in your city, in your nation, in your town, in your community, because God always uses the small things, doesn't he? He always uses the ones that no one would pick, the people that everyone would be forgotten about. I mean, if you'd come to our church 20 years ago and saw me, you would not have picked me for this. You would just wouldn't. I was shy. I was nervous. I was anxious. I got scared about everything. And then I got encountered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transformed my life. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're sitting here and you're sitting with a dream and you're thinking, Lord, I do have ideas. I do have dreams. But how on earth would I do them? The Lord can work incredible things through you. And as the Holy Spirit fills you, wow, you become everything God intended you to be. And all fear, worry, anxiety starts to disappear. For me, it was a tiny journey after tiny journey after tiny journey. For you, it could be straight away instant. But either way, God has significant plans for your life. Guys, I want to encourage this today. I want to read some things. I'm not sure what, t what time do I need to be finished by, guys? Okay, we're going to go. We're going to go in Jesus' name. Uh, I, I, let me just give you one more miracle story just to encourage your hearts as we go into this. Uh, we had a couple that helped to plant the church with us. Incredible couple. Uh, there really was only two couples that came with us from our old church uh, as we stepped into the new, and then lots of other newly saved people that had left their original churches or were not saved at all, and they came with us. But there was this one particular couple, John and Linda, and they loved the Lord, they loved Jesus, they loved each other, they got married, and their desire was to have kids. And they went on this journey for the next year after year after year after year trying to have kids, and they just couldn't have kids. But in the midst of that, their honor for God and their honor for each other was just extraordinary. Young couple, there's no reason why they couldn't have kids. Uh, and, but this becomes difficult. And after in five, six years, they, they thought this is never going to happen. So they begin the kind of adoption process. We'll think about that because they really believe God's called them to have kids. And so they step into that for the next two years and still more problems. It just doesn't go well. For some reason, their details get turned around and they, 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 they said they were willing to take any kids. Uh, and whatever way it happened, their details were written down as they only want this type of kid. And so they got none. And it was just devastating for them. And then eventually they got a couple of kids. But these kids were like, I don't know how to describe it other than they were crazy. <laughs> and so they were like, wow, we just can't cope. And, and they couldn't, they just, it wasn't going to work. And then eventually, after all was said and done, eight, nine years later, they got these, this one beautiful son that was given, they fostered to adopt. And then they got his brother shortly after that. And then in the middle of all this, they got pregnant. And so now, 10 years later, they got a triple miracle because they've got three kids under three. It's just like, wow. So if you remember their names, John and Linda, you should definitely pray for them. But the point of the story is that nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. And if we will put our trust and faith in Him, all things are possible no matter what way it looks. Amen? 
And this is what God is here to encourage us with. I tell you, there's just a scripture I want to give us today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, I'm going to read in a slightly paraphrased version, but I'm sure you know the scripture so well. But here's the heart of it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's the heart of the kingdom. That's it right there. Pray, 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 pray. And sometimes, again, I'm not sure what it's like here, but in Northern Ireland, when we start to pray or think about prayer, it gets very religious, you know? We've got to use big words. And in the prayer times, everyone's trying to use bigger words and better words than everyone else. Everyone's rehearsing the prayer in their head before they even say it because they want to make sure it's a good prayer, you know? And it just becomes all this highfalutin language that doesn't really touch the Father's heart. But I guess a working thought for us today, a working definition, what is prayer? It's simply talking to God, having conversation with our Heavenly Father. And we get to talk and He gets to talk and hopefully we listen sometimes. And, and, and we get to hear from Him and He speaks to us. And Paul says it like this, I, our desire should be to pray without ceasing, to have a conversation with God that it never stops. And I find in my life that the more I'm in conversations with him, whether it be in the car, whether it be just in here right now, maybe you're praying in tongues, you're just thinking about the things of God, you're in your workplace, you're going for a run, the more we start to remind ourselves of the mindset that God has for us, that all things are possible, that I'm not just here to fill up the numbers, that I'm not just a worker in my workplace, I'm not just an employee, but I'm on kingdom assignment. Isn't that much better? I'm on kingdom assignment, and he has me here for a reason, and I've got purpose, and I've got value, and I've got destiny. And even if my boss can't see it, even if the person that's in charge can't see it, I know what he sees inside of me, and I'm here to do something significant for him. First Thessalonians says that 5.17, never stop praying. It's a never-ending conversation. You know, today I believe God wants to remind us that we have unstoppable prayer and that God wants to call us to prayer that never stops, but he wants us to realize that we have prayers that will move anything, that we have prayers that will move mountains, that if there are obstacles in your life, whether it be I can't get pregnant or I can't find a job or I'm just trying to believe for a house, God can do all of those things. And I tell you, he can do them all at once if he wants to, or he can do them one after the other after the other. And sometimes when we get into prayer, you ever notice how sometimes you got to pray once and it happens, and then other times you got to pray over and over and over again, and you're saying, Lord, why am I in unbelief? Have I got no faith? But instead, what's he doing? He's changing you. Prayer always changes us. I mean, God doesn't need change, amen? Like, he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect, but prayer changes me, and hopefully as you pray, prayer changes you. You know, I used to think one way. I used to think, well, maybe it's all about me. You know, maybe God just wants to make my life the best. And then he started to remind me, it's not about you. You know, it's, I'm here to use you as a blessing for everybody else. And he starts to change us and mold us and shape us. And suddenly our lives start to have kingdom effect. Yeah. I want to encourage you, church, today. God is after us for good things. Acts chapter 431, it says, after the prayer time. It says the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. What what would happen today if this place started to shake? (laughs) I mean, could you imagine that? 
but sometimes God has to shake us. And maybe you're here today and he wants to shake you. And you're like very cool, you know, you're very calm. You're just like, you know, like a, but sometimes God has to shake you. And sometimes it's your circumstances. Or sometimes literally he just shakes everything that's going on in your life. And again, I want to encourage you. Uh, when we planted the church, we went through one of the most uh, terrible times of our whole lives in the sense of what had happened in our families. Uh, and it's too long to go into it today, but in the midst of that, God was doing something wonderful. And in the midst of that, we had a daughter called Bethany. And Bethany in the Bible, of course, you know, it's the place of Lazarus where he died, but he, not just, he didn't just die, but he came alive again. So it's a place of sorrow, but it's a place of celebration. And in every circumstance that we go through, look out for what God is trying to do in the midst of it. And we maybe say to ourselves, God, where are you in this? Yeah. Because I can see me and it doesn't look too good for me. And I can hear what other people are saying, but Lord, what do you say in the midst of the trial that I'm going through? Because if I can hear your voice, then everything's gonna change. Yeah. And that's why Paul said, we've gotta pray about everything. We've gotta pray continuously because we are unstoppable in the things of God as we remember him and as we stay tuned into him. But in Acts chapter four, they began to pray and the whole place began to shake. How incredible is that? I want us to think about just for a moment, maybe one, one thing, I wrote epic fail, but I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you know, what, what would prevent our prayers? What would stop us from praying unstoppable prayers? What would prevent us from praying about everything and having this endless conversation with God? Well, of course, one could be you've got a wrong mindset of prayer. You see it as this thing where you've got to get to a certain place at a certain time and you've got to use certain language. And I think there's place for that. But also God wants us to have continuous conversation. But the other side of the coin is that you think that prayer is just about feeling better. So I only pray when I feel bad. You know, do you, do you think about that sometimes? I only pray when I feel bad. I only pray when I feel I need it. The problem with that is when you don't feel it, you won't pray. When your emotions have gone haywire, when your emotions are all over, you won't pray. Whenever you get distracted by other things, you won't go to prayer because you've conditioned yourself to say, unless I feel like it, I only pray when I feel like it because I only pray about my feelings and my needs. I remember one time someone coming to the front for prayer, and we love to welcome people to the front for prayer or to go and meet you for prayer. But this is what they said. They said, I've just realized that I, 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 don't, I don't have to wait till I need something to come for prayer. I can actually come to God just because I'm hungry, because I just want more of Him. But they had made it all needs-based. I only come when I'm sick. I only come when I'm feeling down. I only come when I've got an issue. But did you know that we can come to God all the time? That He's not just a doctor, but He's our best friend. He wants to come into relationship with us. He wants to be our dads, our heavenly Father. He wants to know us, and He wants to hear all the stories, eh? He wants to hear all the stories, like, oh, Dad, I would love, or Heavenly Father, I'd love, or, or Jesus, please help me. He wants to hear all the stories because he loves you so much. Yeah. And as the Bible says, he already knows everything you're going to ask. But his invitation is relationship. Yeah. His invitation is, I want to know you, and I want you to know me, because together we can do all things. Yeah. Amen? And so today, let's not hold back because we're not feeling like it. Let's go forward because we know what Christ has for us. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is a persistent widow. I love this story. Persistent widow. It's a story about a widow. We're going to read about it in just a moment. But in Old Testament or New Testament context, a widow was a forgotten person. 
obviously a person that had lost her husband. And this was a widow with, uh, with a complaint. Uh, and she had an issue and she goes to a judge. But you've got to understand the context. It's almost like the least of the least. She's not important. She's not referenced. She's not noticed. Nobody cares. No one's interested. It's her against the world, but God sees her. And I want to tell you today that God sees you, and He knows you, and He loves you so much. And He has significant plans for your life. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them what they should always pray and not give up. This is good. This is what Jesus is trying to show. Always pray and do not give up. He said, in a certain time, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that time who kept coming into him with a plea and saying, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, she keeps annoying me, she keeps hassling me, I'm going to give her what she wants. It goes on to say, The Lord said, listen to what the unjust says. And will God not bring about justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? So I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so it starts off with prayer and do not give up. And it finishes with don't forget about faith. Faith is the ingredient that we need for all our prayer lives. If we have not got faith, what have we got? Without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, we don't become the co-heirs with Christ. But with faith, all things are possible. Faith in God. And so the story you hear about the unjust judge, he gets changed because this woman says, I won't give up. I will not give up. And here's what I want to encourage us with today. What if our prayer life has to get a tiny bit more consistent and passionate? That it's not just praying, but it's something's happening, you know? Uh, In Northern Ireland, sometimes our faith, uh, we get excited at football games. We get excited at rugby games. We get excited with concerts and sport and music. And it comes to church and we get get very holy, you know? (laughs) We get very holy. And I I, I want us to be holy, of course. But holy holy is not an attitude of if we're quiet or not. Holy is being set apart for God. That's really what holiness is about. I'm set apart for the king of kings. My life is not going to look like anybody else's. But sometimes we've misunderstood it and we've gotten quiet and and we get that and there are moments of silence. But I tell you what, there are moments where we need to let out a loud scream. We need to let out a loud voice. And we need to say, Lord, help me. Or Jesus, I worship you. And there's part of the story I want to bring it out just for a moment. It said right at the very end, verse 7, it says, there was a, a... she cried out to him. She cried out. When we look that up and we go back and we check it out, what does that really mean? Here's what it says. It means to shout a war cry or a roar. Wow. Wow. This is really what she was doing when she came to the unjust judge. She was saying, but you don't understand. She was like, I need this thing changed. There was conviction in her voice. There was an attitude in her spirit. She didn't come with the hope of it happening. She came saying, this has to happen. This has to happen. And I tell you, when we get into the presence of God and God reveals truth to our hearts and we understand the will of God, because we can understand it. We don't have to be in doubt. We can ask God. He will reveal. Once we get the promises of God, we stand on them. 
Amen? And we say, God, this is coming. This is happening. And we keep believing, no matter how silly we look. In our journey, the bits that I don't tell you is that we look foolish the whole time. What, a youth group going to raise 45000 for Jesus? <laughs> Idiots. That's what everybody else was saying, you know? That's what everybody else was doing. Even our own guys, they told us afterwards. I was telling Greg and Sue this the other day. When we got to 11,000 pounds trying to raise the 45, everybody else had given up. They said, we just thought it wasn't going to happen, but we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want to discourage you, so we just prayed anyway. I mean, isn't that crazy that even in the midst of unbelief that God can still move if there's one or two that are still believing? Yeah. I want to tell you, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible if we would put our trust in God. All things are possible to him or her that believes. Yeah. And so we believed. But in the midst of that, you look like a fool. You look like an idiot. You look like the biggest. What did Noah look like when he started to build this boat? I mean, he must have looked like a crazy man when he starts to build this boat. Going, what are you building a boat for? We're not even near the sea. We don't even get rain. And why are you building it so big? Because he had heard what God had told him to do. Guys, we need to know what God's calling us to do. Because if we don't know that, we're going to get filled with everything else. <laughs> you were saying earlier, bro, you just saying the world is flooding us with information over and over and over. And how are we meant to know what to do? We need to know the Word of God. We need to know what the Lord says. And as we know Him, He calls us forward. And then at the latter part of verse 7, it says they prayed day and night. Wow. Not only was she passionate, but she was consistent. We're going after this thing. We're not stopping. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I want to share a quick story, uh, and it just ties in with this. Uh, years ago, we were just about to open the church. I think, Nikki, we were just about to open the church, and Jessica choked on the sweet. Do you remember? Was that, the first, was, was that a year later? So we were doing our year anniversary. And our daughter, Jessica, who's our oldest, she's 10 years old right now. But after we were doing our second year anniversary, and it was a great, we had a great first year, and God did miraculous things. But we, someone gave her a, a lollipop. You know, like a lollipop? Yeah. Uh, and, they give, and it's one of the rind ones. And somehow, some way, the thing came off. The, the, the lollipop came off, and it stuck in her throat. And, and we're just about to start the meeting, and it's the most blessed time ever, and we're going to have the most Holy Spirit time ever. You know, like some of those moments, and you're just floating on the clouds, and everything's going really well. And now suddenly, your daughter has this sweet stuck in her throat. And I'm kind of in shock going, oh, it's probably no big deal. She's just about to spit it out. But Nikki let out like a war cry. I remember this moment. She let out a war cry. She was like, no. She was like, this is not happening. And, I thought, and then she just went into this incredible like superwoman mode and did this thing. And, and the sweet came out. She was like patting on her back and, and the sweet came out. But I tell you, just for a moment, it was desperate. It was really, really desperate. And every second felt like a minute. And it must have been a minute went by, probably close to a minute. But the sweet came out. Because the Lord was faithful. But I tell you, there are times in our prayer lives, if not every time, we're going to have to get desperate. Yeah. I don't think it works any other way. We're going to have to get desperate. When, when we had the 11,000 and we're trying to get to the 45, I was getting desperate. I was like, Lord, what are, we, are we crazy? And he just kept saying, hold on. Don't give up. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. And I'm telling you, in your life, you're going to have to fight for some things. You're going to have to contend for some things. It's not all going to be heaven here. We want to bring heaven to earth. We're believing for abundant life. But the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's real. 
And I'm sure if I asked around the room, you all have stories of heartache and broken heart and issues and problems. And yet if we will hold fast, the Lord is always faithful. Always faithful. He is always good. And as we pray to him and we listen to him, he does extraordinary things. But it's said that they prayed night and day. And maybe that's what we need to get to. And it's the woman prayed. You know what it reminds me of? A person with a burden. I think if we're really going to have vision and true purpose for our lives and going forward in the things of God, we're going to have to get a burden about things. Now, we understand that his yoke is easy and his burdens are light, but there's still a responsibility in us to go, there's an urgency. We've got to reach the lost. We've got to tell the good news of Jesus. We've got to pray about situations because when we pray, things change. When we don't pray, what happens? stays the same. We have to hope for somebody else to do something. But we have the presence and power of God, and he's calling us forward. So I want to finish with a challenge today, and then we're going to pray. But here's a couple of things to think about. How many of our prayers, when we really think about it, are all about ourselves? You know, like how many of our prayers, when we really start to think about it, are about me and my immediate family? And it's important to think about that, not to condemn us, because there is no condemnation in Christ, but we might need some conviction. You know, and sometimes we get convicted and it's a blessing. It's a good thing because the Lord only calls us up, the enemy pushes us down. And as he convicts us today by going, maybe my prayers are 90% all about me. I think the Lord wants to change some things. I think he wants to turn some things around. And then a second thought is, what if all of your prayers were answered just right now? What would happen? What would happen if every single one of your prayers, whether they're the 10-year prayers or they're the 10-minute prayers that you've just recently learned about, what would happen? Would it just affect your world or would South Africa be changed? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Would something happen that a legacy would be left that you could, be, you could go? Like you could be like, Paul, I'd like to go to heaven, but to live is gain. <laughs> you know, like, I have to stay. I have to stay because God's called me. He's called me to be here. But I wonder if every single one of our prayers were answered right now, what would happen? Could I ask the question, would anything happen? Would something happen? Would everything happen? And again, I want us to be precise in our prayers. So the, the idea of praying, Lord, save the whole world, that's probably not a good prayer. You know, that it's just too unspecific. It doesn't get to the heart of anything. But I, I'm, I'm saying, what has God called you into? And again, it's not about the size of the things you do, because God's not calling everybody to buy a church or to plant a church. Like, well, that's not God's heart for every single person. But it's to be the light of the world. It's to be the light of the world, the hope of the world. A person that brings breakthrough and change everywhere you go. A person that, just like the early disciples, I'm seeing a shadow today, but do you remember the story in Acts where they literally went past their shadow and then Peter and John turn around and goes, wow, even our shadow heals people. Wow. Because of the presence of God on their lives. If we're not in conversation with God, we're going to be in conversation with somebody else. If we're not hearing from heaven, we're going to be hearing from somebody else. And even our best friends, even our moms and dads, even our, our, our co-workers, our, the, the most lovely people that are around us, they're not God. They don't speak like him. They don't talk like him. But if we can get into the secret place, if we can spend time with him and pray about everything and never cease praying, I tell you, God is going to put dreams and vision and purpose on your life that's going to change the nation. Absolutely, absolutely. I have absolutely no doubt about it. And when I look around and I hear some of the stories of South Africa, it reminds me of home. And the only hope for South Africa and the only hope for Northern Ireland is Jesus. And a a group of people such as this that are willing to take a stand and pray and see the nation transformed. Could we stand together and pray today?
Thank you, Lord.